0: Welcome to Oops! I Talk Politics, the left-wing political podcast where we talk about politics. I'm Ryan, and I have very special guests with me today. First up, Alana. Hello. And Julia. Hi. And Helen. Hello. So, all of you have been on episodes before. Alana and Julia were just on the Election Day episode. And Alana and Helen were on the... I don't want to just call it like the token woman episode, but it totally was that.
1: <laughs> it was. Yep.
0: And today you three will be discussing a topic that I do not th- feel comfortable talking about <laughs> on my own, and which is the recent wave of sexual assault and sexual harassment allegations and women coming forward and all of the stuff that you know, whatever you guys want to talk about related to that topic. So Alana, do you want to start with just some of your personal views on it?
1: Yeah, sure. I really pushed this episode (laughs) because there's a decent amount of of ladies in our little Facebook group and every other day there's new article popping up and no one seems to know what to say, Um, especially a lot of the the guys in the group are like, well, I want to say this, but I don't think I could really say that. Um, (laughs) So I thought it should be you know, we should prioritize it. But um, all this stuff has been pretty uh, stressful for me to watch because I come from a, a family with a history of sexual assault. Um, and I experienced things in college that were a little uncomfortable and unsettling. So um, it's been pretty wild to see this all out in the open and seeing some people getting away with it, some people not really getting away with it and, you know, figuring out where we go from here. So that's kind of where I'm coming from in this conversation.
0: That I think that that is definitely an important context that most of those bros in the Facebook group do not have, <laughs> for sure. And what about you, Julia?
2: Um. So I definitely agree with everything Alana said about why we should do this episode, and I'm really glad that you guys decided to do it because uh, I think it's a really necessary conversation, especially you know for us because we're all concerned <laughs> with all this stuff and a lot of our own favorite celebrities from our kind of niche interests are, are maybe being called into question, um, as far as personal experience, I actually don't have, like, a ton other than maybe what you might consider average, whatever, even though that's, like, unfortunate that there's, like, an average, uh, experience for women of sexual harassment, um, but I feel, con- uh, not confused, but uncertain sometimes of how other people are feeling, um, about this sort of thing because I don't have like a ton of personal experience. So I'm really interested to kind of get more into the nitty gritty um, or whatever about that sort of thing, as well as like, just, I don't know, I guess share sort of an outsider, but an insider experience, like as a woman, but as somebody who maybe hasn't experienced all those other things.
0: And what about you, Helen?
2: So I've been seeing a lot of these unfold
3: over, well, well many over the past recent weeks, but, but over years as well. And I'm getting to the point where I'm tired of singing of seeing hand wringing from men online and I've run out of energy to type things in all caps about this topic and I just <laughs> am at the point where I maybe actually want to organically shout about it. I, I, I'm someone who has for much of my life idolized celebrities, especially celebrities in the film industry or in comedy and it's... It's exasperating but it's at the point where it's not even surprising anymore and that's just something I want to explore a little bit more. I I have had some personal uh, Julia's saying uh the average amount of experience just broke my heart but it, it it's so it's so correct. I have some personal experience that I can relate as well and yeah, I don't know. We can get into it.
0: Okay. So, Alana, it was your idea to do this episode. <laughs> Earlier today, when we were talking about the episode, you had a lot of topics in general that you wanted to kind of touch upon. And I just pulled them up. So so what do you think women in general or anybody involved in this kind of thing or that has a personal stake in it? What do you want from these allegations or from the exposures?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I want to do a disclaimer that's sa- and say that for all of these answers, they're all very subjective because I don't want to apply blanket statements to all women when mm-hmm. I have an opinion about what I think should happen to these people or what I would like to see happen. Um, we can't, you know, assume that everyone is going to have the same opinion because every experience is different and horrific in its own way. Yeah. Um, but I guess you know, it's it was it's refreshing to see people called out in public and, and, you know, publicly shamed. But at the same time, they're being forced to give apologies because they're getting caught. So it's not exactly the most satisfying thing ever. And I think that it's not all of these public exposures, these, like, high-profile exposures, aren't – they're not going to mean anything if this doesn't have an effect on a personal and local level. Like, it it should do – it should help someone in their everyday life. It shouldn't need to appear in the paper or the person shouldn't – need to be called out on Twitter for there to be a change in how women are treated and how these crimes are treated. Um, so that's where I'm coming from at this point. What I would like to see happen is there to be kind of a, a a trickle down effect, if you will. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) that, yeah. I, I saw a tweet from a woman during like the whole Me Too thing. And she was saying that like, this is great that all these celebrities are speaking out about, like, Harvey Weinstein and all these people, but I won't really believe it or have faith in it until I start seeing people defend, like, housekeepers and, like, the 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 most vulnerable of us that are, again, this is yeah, her yeah. words, not mine, saying that, you know, like, when it's the most vulnerable people are the ones that are being protected and spoken out and listened to, that's when it'll really be a paradigm shift. So do you think that, like this is the beginning of it? Or do you think that we, like, how do you think we can get to that trickle down moment?
1: I, I honestly don't know. I think it's something that takes time and that I'm not sure you see it while it's happening. I think it's a mm-hmm. thing you might look back and say, that's when it started. But speaking as someone who experienced this from a very young age, I think ultimately what I would like to happen is that You know, women don't have to give birth to daughters and worry about having to explain to their four-year-old, you know, about, you know, assuming that they're going to be treated in a certain way by another person because they don't understand boundaries or respect or any of those things. So, I don't know. I don't have... I don't know. I feel pretty pessimistic about the whole thing. Not feeling super great about it or or seeing... I don't think anything's going to happen quick enough for me to feel better anytime soon
0: i think well one thing i don't know did you guys see what the girl scouts did no oh um
2: for thanksgiving yeah uh yeah i didn't like read in depth about it but um i thought it was really interesting because i've seen this um talked about before but basically what they did was kind of reinforce the idea that you shouldn't make your children hug relatives that they're not comfortable with nice. or have a like, physical contact with anybody that they're not comfortable with just because it's the holidays or just because it's a family member and, I, I mean, I personally remember, like, being a little kid, like, having to go, like, hug my grandma because she was, like, sick or whatever. And, you know, it was like, well, you know, just just go do it. Just go do it. And I was, like, a shy little kid who didn't see my grandma very much. So, it was like, uh, I'm freaked out. <laughs> and, yeah, I just, I've, I've seen this talked about before. And I'm glad that the Girl Scouts were sort of, like, a reputable, known, progressive organization who I, I tend to think do a lot of good work have kind of stepped up to talk about it, uh, especially in light of what's been happening and and it also being like the holiday season where this is kind of likely to happen. I think that push for for personal agency and body
3: autonomy and, and enthusiastic consent, something we've been seeing grow over time, I think needs to remain the focus. And in terms of these allegations against celebrities that have been coming out, it's definitely, it seems to have, Almost a snowball effect where it's just every day there seem to be more and more and more. And I agree with Alana that I, I'm hoping that it does trickle down into the people we know in our everyday lives, to the point where everyone's comfortable being honest about what's happened to them uh, when appropriate, and to the point where men and women across the board understand what's consent and what's not consent, and. I don't know. We'd
2: all sing "Kumbaya" together, or whatever. <laughs> um, I also kind of just want to add that I don't know if it's like going to affect things immediately on a local level, or you know how long this like "quote unquote" trickle down is going to take. But I think potentially a benefit to all of this celebrity stuff happening is that it is something people will talk about a lot, and I have been in many conversations about these accusations, and some of them have been with family members who I don't always talk about this kind of stuff with and you know even with other people who are interested but maybe haven't thought of every aspect that's kind of coming to light um and as always just talking about stuff and getting out there and having those conversations uh, is never really a bad thing so hopefully maybe that like popular culture aspect of this whole situation will help maybe at least I don't know whatever can start a conversation I think is good
0: yeah definitely and one thing i do want to point out to just piggyback off of something that helen mentioned too is men are also affected by this mm-hmm. everybody is uh, has like we saw like terry cruz speak out and they're yes. the whole kevin spacey thing like there, mm-hmm. it's certainly an issue for everybody but the so i don't want people to think that by me saying that like i don't want to you know overstep my boundaries and stuff it's that men aren't affected but in our patriarchal society, women are disproportionately affected by it. And I think it's important to give equity to that conversation without silencing the men that are also victims of this. Yeah. So that's just my asterisk. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good asterisk. Yeah. So now, Alana, you mentioned the, you know, like all these, the celebrities and the public, you know, exposures and allegations and everything, and the apologies that we have lots of different opinions on. I want to go to Helen first. How do you feel about apologies in general? And especially any specific cases you want to talk about.
3: (laughs) On a personal level, I'm pro-apologies. I'm apologizing constantly. So I have nothing generally negative to say about apologies. They're great, and people who give them, i.e. me, are fabulous, and you should get to know them. (laughs) There are... There's one particular case that I think Ryan knows that I, is, is near and dear is certainly the wrong choice of words, but has been significant to me in a way I would not have necessarily expected it to be that had also a prominent apology. Um, and that's, and that's the case of Louis CK. Now, Louis had been a hero of mine for many, many years. I, I saw him, uh, See, if I'd been framing this conversation like two weeks ago, I would have said I had the good fortune to see him, and now I'm like, well, now how do I frame this? I guess I just say I saw him. I saw him perform 10 years ago, met him, he was very kind. I idolized him. I loved his television show. I watched all of his stand up specials. I, I paid him money. I was on, I, I'm still on his newsletter. I should do something about that. And I was, for a time, a stand up comic, and I guess also a woman, or as they say in the comedy industry, a female comic. So the things that Louis CK was being accused of two years ago were things that that gave me more than pause. Because I was a woman in comedy, because I worked with other women in comedy and it was because it was a largely male arena. I had some sort of skeezy interactions with male comics from time to time, or male audience members, at least as often. And and so the Louis C.K. stuff, I, I took really close to heart because I knew it was the sort of thing where someone I knew could have been subjected to something like that, um, or or I, if I if I'd stayed doing that, I could have been subjected to something like that, and more than just the harassment of female comics that Louis C.K. was engaging in. He was suppressing them through his agent, making them feel that they could not have a career if they came forward about this. So until just this past month, no no accusers had stepped forward. It was just hearsay from someone who knew people who had said he had done something. So in a way, it was like, after... Being angry for years over this, this thing that Louis C.K. wouldn't even, like, dignify with a response in the press, it was validating in a way to have the accusers uh, bravely step forward and say, this happened to me, this is what happened, this is when it happened, and, and Louis C.K. is the man who did it. And, and that validation... Weakened for me a little bit when Louis C.K. came out and apologized. I was I was really happy that he acknowledged it, that he admitted it, because that's not something we're seeing a lot of. But there was a strange amount of self congratulation within his apology, and uh, I can't I can't decry the thing entirely, because because I, like I said, I'm an apologizer for way from way back. And I, I relate to him in a way, this this attempting to hand off this thing you've done in a way that seems both like you're taking full responsibility but also minimizing the thing that you've done. It's a natural human thing to do. But his focus, his focus was largely on uh, his victim's admiration of him and the careers of the people he was currently working with and not either the lives or the careers of his victims. And I think... I think that focus is wrong. I don't think the apology uh, is dangerous until you see a lot of people praising it. And it's... It's... It's something I can nod at, but it's not something that I think is praiseworthy by any means.
0: So what do you think the appropriate response to an apology is?
3: I, I suppose that depends on the sincerity uh, and heartfeltness of the apology, I I say a lot of negative things about Louis C.K.'s apology, but it still remains among the best ones I've seen. And I don't really know what the appropriate response is to an appropriate apology, because I don't know that I've seen one yet.
0: Because one thing, the the thing that was, I had the most trouble with was like, with some, now, someone like Al Franken, before the other people came forward, right. when he gave his apology, his accuser accepted his apology.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what What would you make of that? Like, because I was torn between, I don't want to co-opt their trauma and say like, oh no, she's not, like, she's obviously the one whose opinion on it which should matter the most. But like, I don't also like, I don't like setting the precedent that like if he was to, let's say like bully her behind the scenes and then she accepts the apology, like, does that mean he's off the hook? Like, how, mm-hmm. how would you... Like, how would you, how do you feel about apologies when, you know, just like in the broader sense, when either they accept them or like society accepts them as acceptable apologies? What do we do with those people from there?
3: I think it should be up to the victim, whether the victim accepts the apology or not, and whether society accepts it or not is, is kind of unfortunately a different story, but so far, and I'm going to stick with celebrities because I know a lot of the listeners are aware of them at least the celebrities we've seen who are who have been accused of things who have "quote unquote gotten away with it" in a way versus those who don't seem to be getting away with it feels pretty arbitrary and i haven't been able to pinpoint any particular reason why say mike tyson still gets to be in movies or roman polanski gets to still do movies or Mel Gibson still gets nominated for Oscars. But. Well, now I'm trying to think of an example of someone who's been appropriately dealt with. <laughs> I'm coming up <laughs> blank a little bit. Uh, no but, one. Um, but yeah, but, or, but no. like, why Bill Cosby is now just the punchline at the bottom of the barrel. Obviously, he's a garbage person. But so are several of the people I just mentioned.
0: Mm-hmm. So. What about you, Alana? How do you feel about, like, apologies?
1: I very much agree with with Helen that, you know, it's up to the victim to decide whether or not they're going to accept the apology. And I also think... I don't think there's ever going to be a good apology. I think it's good to admit your wrongdoing, and I think, you know, it's important to say you're sorry. I've yet to read or hear an apology that felt genuine to me um, because all these people are, are... working with PR firms and communication specialists and someone's telling them exactly what to say and it all feels very performative. Um, I don't know how it's making the victims feel, but I think there needs to be a degree of acceptance that those people who committed those acts need to understand that they're going to be hated for a really long time and they need to be okay with it and they need to fail in their art or fail in their passion or you know, maybe it affects their livelihood a little bit, because honestly, you know, to a certain degree, when it comes to sexual assault or even harassment, if someone experiences something pretty violent or pretty invasive, that's affecting their livelihood. And maybe, you know, they don't get out of bed every day, and maybe they are too afraid to speak in public, or maybe, you know, it affects their everyday behaviors. And so I think... Like everyone's sitting around waiting for a proper apology, and I'm like, there's not a there's not a fucking proper apology. There's not a way to make up for it when you ruin someone's life, and you can just come out and say like, well, I was a big talented writer, and now I'm giving you an apology, and everyone's gonna pat me on the back for it. And it's like, these wouldn't come out come out, and people are calling them brave, but at the same time, like that doesn't change, you know, their insecurities that they go to their therapists mm-hmm. with the next day. So I don't know. I am not a huge fan of. Apologies. I've never been given an apology for things that I've experienced. And I think at this point, if I got one, I would not appreciate it or care about it. So I'm not sure how much it matters, to be quite honest with you. I mean, from a from a large scale, from a perspective of seeing people own up to things, I almost feel like owning up to things is more important than the apology. But again, it's Ooh. it's up to the individual victim and what they need to hear to maybe heal themselves a little bit.
3: Yeah. Uh, If I could go back to Louis C. Case for a minute, because (laughs) I am on my high horse and I am having trouble dismounting. The majority of these allegations are from um, 10 years ago or more. These are things that he concealed from the public for, for 15 years, at least. And publicly denied. And yeah. publicly denied for two years at least. Yeah. And when the New York Times had actual named sources and were ready to go to press and they reached out to Louis C.K. for a comment, he declined to comment until I presume he was able to control the story. Now, I, I experienced something that I know a lot of people uh, are experiencing when they're, when they're deciding that they need to kill their darlings and having a hard time of it, where I read Louis CK's apology and on my first read I was I was heartened by it and I was impressed by his writing and I and when I realized that I was like admiring his <sighs> when I realized I admired him as a writer of an apology for jerking off in front of women against their consent I I felt disgusting, and disgusting is just something I felt constantly throughout all of this, and I just, again, words are failing me because the hatred I feel, and I don't, I don't feel a lot of hatred. I'm a pretty nice person, y'all. The hatred <laughs> I feel. For Louis C.K. and people of his ilk who take that position of power, uh, abuse it, use it to push their victims down, and then don't even acknowledge that it was power, but instead that they're just impressive. I. (sighs) Yeah, I said something. I was saying something about hating him. I hate him. I hate him (laughs) a lot. And I hate him. For making me love him first and then turning out to be a shit beast. And I hate him for making something I wanted to make a career feel instead like an anxiety train. And I hate him for being able to eloquently say something that enough people ate up to the point that I'm sure he's still going to be a relatively successful comic in the future.
2: So...
1: Oh, that's depressing
2: <laughs> yeah yeah um, i just listening to what helen just said something occurred to me which i hadn't hadn't thought of at all when kind of thinking about how i wanted to maybe answer this which is like these are people who we've admired and want to keep admiring in a way we don't want to believe that they've done these things because we want to keep enjoying their personality and their work and their presence and whatever and so even though I kind of have up to this point, I've been like pro apology, even though I'm not sure it's super effective in any way. Like it's just like people should apologize for things that they've done that are wrong. But in a way, like having this apology is almost like an easy out for forgiving them for something that maybe is never forgivable or is going to take a lot more work to forgive. Like I feel really horrible, like remembering this, uh, but with the whole Kevin Spacey thing, I was like about to go to sleep the night that um, he released his statement and I just read it quickly before I went to bed and I was like, Oh, well, that's shitty of him to have done. It was a long time ago. And like, it was like a well-worded, so to speak, apology. And I kind of just took it in stride and was like, well, that's too bad, but whatever. And then the next morning I read it again and people were talking about it. And I'm like, this is unacceptable. Like, I don't care what he has to say. It's, you know, aside from his apology being crappy in other ways, but Mm-hmm. like th- this isn't okay this is like so 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 far from okay and I can't just like say well that's fine because you know he said he said a nice apology like that's not how it works and I don't ever want to get caught up in that trap of reading a statement from somebody who I've admired and saying like you know while they're eloquent and well-spoken and talented so I'm just gonna keep on enjoying what they've done because they said sorry like that's that's not cool so yeah, so I don't know. I've, I've kind of taken a negative stance on the apology thing at this point. I think
0: Alana's radicalizing everybody. Join me.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was, t-
2: I mean, I was totally for it before. Just like I was going to acknowledge that it's maybe not super, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily do anything. You have to back up your words with actions, and like, how do you do that? Yeah, I don't right. know how you do that, but um, but yeah, now I'm feeling a, uh, I'm, I'm feeling a little different about
0: that. So. Julia, you mentioned, like, a lot of, you know, a couple different creators, and we've tossed around a lot of, like, Polanskis and Frankens and everybody. Do you think that we should judge these crimes, like, on a spectrum? Like, do you think you can, you said, like, you give a pat you know, you used to give a pass to some people and not others, and, like, do you think that there is a spectrum? Or is it, like, if you're a sex criminal, you're a sex criminal? Like, is Polanski as bad as Louis C.K.? Kind of, and I don't necessarily mean them specifically, but like, mm-hmm. do you judge it on a scale, or is it just like you're dead to me, or I can forgive you?
2: Oh, it's like such a fraught question, and I think if we're looking at things in a legal sense, then yes, we do tend to judge things on a scale. Like, you can be charged or sentenced with crimes depending on the degree, like, even up to murder, you can do that. Um, but if we're talking socially and we're talking about what we need to do to stop this from happening, I'm not sure there's a clear answer. I think, prop like, I think there's argument on both sides, and I, I see it as being like, well, this guy did this thing and it wasn't like quote unquote that bad. So like, as long as he never does it again, I can still enjoy his work and we can forget about it, or at least move on, forgive and forget, whatever. But I also definitely think there's an argument for none of this is acceptable. And as long as we're allowing the so-called lesser crimes to be forgiven, then, like, where do we stop forgiving? And, like, everybody is going to have a different point at which they feel comfortable forgiving somebody for this. So if we let any of it slide, how can – like, where do we stop? And are we ever going to get anywhere as long as we're okay with even – what somebody might consider like a very small offense. So it's, I don't, I don't think there's like a simple answer, but I don't know. Like I said, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not easy, but I definitely see the argument for both sides.
0: Alana, I bet you have a harder line to, uh...
1: (laughs) I think what I agree with everything Julia said. And I think she was talking a lot about microaggressions. So microaggressions are very small seemingly innocuous offenses that kind of diminish the agency or power of a particular individual, specifically like minorities and women. So, you know, if there's a, there's a classroom of students and a girl answers a question or she asks a question and a guy makes fun of her answer or like the class giggles or it's just the small little thing that someone will tell you, you know, it's not a big deal, you'll just get over it it's one of those things that like sticks in your brain and it stays with you for the rest of your life. And then those little things like little things like that just keep piling up and piling up and piling up. And it, it kind of is like a virus and it infects you and it infects all the people around you. And it creates this kind of shared consciousness of feeling diminished. And that's how people in power stay in power is these tiny little things. I hope I explained that.
0: Yeah. I think the, tell me if I'm wrong, but for me, the classic example was always like, telling women like, oh, it's, you're so much prettier when you smile or like things like that, that are just like, they're not like, I've had lots of talks with like super dude bros that I can't stand about how like, it's just a compliment. Yeah. It's like, no, but it's like very reductive and like, just, it's just these little things that don't, if it happened one time ever, it wouldn't, you like on paper, it wouldn't stand out, but it compounds over and over and over again until yeah. it's just this general internalized feeling that, like, this is who I am.
1: Yeah, this is who women are. Women can't drive, women yeah. can't fix things, all that kind of yeah. stuff. I agree with Julia that, you know, obviously I don't I don't think a dude should go to jail for telling a girl to smile, but I think that men should become aware that when they operate within that sphere of you know, perpetuating those little microaggressions of telling a girl to smile, it encourages more violent or more intense behavior, you know, and eventually we get to forcing women to sit there while you jerk off for them or (laughs) raping someone. So I think those little things need to be called out when we see them in media, when we see them in fiction, when we see photographs like Al Franken and stuff like that. But I also think that people need to understand the difference between feeling uncomfortable and being physically violated are two different things. Not to like diminish and say that, you know, mm-hmm. if something's just happening at you or near you, you have no right to feel uncomfortable or, or violated in some way. But being physically attacked or your 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 body being made to feel like it's not your own is a very powerful feeling and I think it's really hard for people to understand that feeling if they haven't experienced it personally and that's why this can be such a challenge for for people to empathize with or to understand where uh, victims are coming from when they come forward with these allegations that's kind of where I'm at with that I, I think there is a certain spectrum but I think all points on that spectrum need to be identified
0: mm-hmm. So just because something's lower on the spectrum doesn't mean it's something that isn't as important. I
1: think everything's important because everything is affecting everything else. But like I said, like, I don't think, you know, telling a lady to smile means prison. (laughs) I don't think that's necessary. I think that's just requires, you know, some education a little bit more.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What about you, Helen?
1: This is...
3: The talk of microaggressions has sort of... (laughs) Settled into some cracks over here, I think. I thought for most of my childhood and part of my adult life, I felt small and I felt scared. And I thought for most of my life that that was because I, as an individual, was a small person or a nervous person. And it's only been in speaking to other women about their experiences in day-to-day life that I realized I was I was I felt small because I was being crushed I was being crushed just a a minute amount day by day anytime someone complimented my outfit instead of uh, my effort anytime someone said Oh, sir, your, your wife won't like that car. It's a stick shift. She won't be able to drive it. To the point where I <laughs> have actually been held down by force by men. It's everything on, on the small scale to the large scale contributed to my feeling less. Not even other, just less. So I, I think of myself as a forgiving person and I, 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 I guess I agree. I agree that it's all very important and I don't know what to say beyond that right now. Sorry.
1: I love you, Helen. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) I support you. (laughs) That was a good answer.
0: So on a related topic, do you want us to move a little adjacent, Helen? Do what you got to do, man. (laughs) Well, I I just want to make sure you don't have other... (laughs) No, I'm good. Okay, so Alana, you mentioned Al Franken, like the picture and stuff. And like, when a congressman is accused, obviously there's a spectrum of that. Like, there's a big difference between Roy Moore and literally anybody else I've ever seen. But but when... And Roy Moore is not a congressman yet. Please, please. God. Uh, don't
2: say don't even say yet. <laughs> I
0: know. But when a congressman is accused, should they resign?
1: I think if the evidence is there, yes. I think Al Franken should resign at this point. I mean, I'm starting to get to the point where I'm just like burn it the fuck down. Yeah. Like just start from scratch. Everyone is infected and disgusting and like like this is just like I feel like the entire country is just starting to get an inkling of how a woman feels when her personal space and her identity and her physical body is violated. And it's like, everyone feels really dirty because everything just feels like there was this dirty secret going on behind the scenes and we're all just kind of like sick with it. And it's like, there's nowhere near enough showers to feel clean again. And I'm like, just, just fucking, just resign. Just get out. And it's annoying because I feel like he's pulling a very similar thing that Louis C.K. is pulling where it's like, you know, no, I'm one of the good ones. I'm going to admit that I did something wrong, but I'm going to stay to make sure I can fix it. And it's like, yeah, but you're still, he's still controlling the story. You're still in a position of power. You're not being knocked down in a similar way at all. It's like when rich people go bankrupt- like, they're not going bankrupt. They're still going to be richer than you and I will ever be. The, like, the, yeah. the the thing with, with, like, the power structures need to change. Just because they're being outed and they have to give a little, a semi-embarrassing apology doesn't... Because people are going to see this and they're going to be like, oh, well, yeah, maybe someone will find out, but I'll just fucking apologize and it'll be over and people will forget about it because the news cycle is insane. And it's like, I think if you were really, if you really wanted to make a difference you would resign you would say you know what like this behavior has proven that i am unfit to hold the position of power over other people who don't have that power and i want to hand the reins over to someone who's going to wield it responsibly and none of these people are willing to do that they just want to apologize and they want to keep living the same lives they've always lived and there's not enough loss in in these out in like in these exposures there needs to be a greater degree of feeling that they're they're knocked down a peg and I'm not getting that. And like, you're in fucking Congress, you're representing all these people, you're making crazy decisions, and like, I understand that the Democrats want to make sure we're having people in office that will vote the way we want, but like, at what fucking cost? Like, do we want to yeah. be part of this, you know, epidemic and this endemic problem, or do you just want to like, slap a fucking bandaid on it? Because I think that's what an apology will do. I don't think it's solving the problem the way that it needs to be solved.
0: Yeah. So Julia, should Al Franken resign? Or congressmen in general? So we, <laughs> we don't have to just talk about Al Franken, but I feel like Al Franken's an easier point not an easier, but a more important point. Because obviously, for most of us, when it's a Republican, we're like, get him the fuck out of here. But we have to look <laughs> at ourselves a little bit harder when it's someone on our team that, like you said, one of the good guys. You know, Franken has co sponsored legislation about this kind of thing. And then he was doing it anyway.
2: Yeah. Um, I agree with everything that Alana said. And I think, yeah, he should resign. I think it's really particularly important for people who are in political power who, like, really, really have a direct influence over other people's lives to not, like, if you're proven to have, like, sketchy ethics in any way, shape, or form, like, why should I believe that you have my best interests in mind? Like, if, if this guy was willing to, like, physically assault me, what's to stop him from doing something that's a little less conspicuous, you know? Um, so... Yeah, even though maybe he has happened to pass legislation in the past that works towards my interests, like, it doesn't really mean anything when it's all thrown up in the air because he's done this, like, incredibly immoral thing. Because we elect, we elect our politicians because we want them to uphold our morals, and he's not doing that, so get him
0: out. Yeah. Helen, should Franken go?
3: All right. Short answer yes, ideally he would resign. I would like to see Al Franken resign. Long answer. Obviously, this is an incredibly complex issue. We talk about things like truth and consequences. And what we're talking about now are consequences in instances where we don't, we're not necessarily going to satisfactorily find the truth of the issue. I believe the accusers. I believe the people who have stepped forward as victims. I know a substantial portion of the population don't believe these accusers and unless unless the people who are being accused outright admit what's going on or unless it's within say a statute of limitations and charges are filed then we're not going to really find a satisfactory truth to make us feel you know the amount of good or bad we want to feel about the thing so i because i keep i keep seeing and it's it's mostly dude bros. Saying, whatever happened to innocent till proven guilty. Whatever happened to innocent till proven guilty. And like I want to. Uh, I, I I'm a firm believer in the rule of law. I I think our court and judicial system is really pretty great. I, I'm very much a proponent of the innocent till proven guilty thing within a court of law. That's where it should be upheld that's not necessarily what we're looking at here the majority of the accusations we, and allegations we've been talking about are just going to be tried in the court of public opinion and that is not how the court of public opinion works because the the verdicts that get handed down from the court of public opinion are softer verdicts there are no executions there aren't there's no jail time it's you fucking resign or you don't fucking resign and people just say bad things about you on reddit for the rest of your life <laughs> And that's, you know what, as far as I'm concerned, I'm okay with a lot of people saying bad things about a dude who maybe didn't do anything bad if it means that the dudes who did do bad things are more likely to be outed because victims feel empowered to speak up about it. So back to my short answer. Yeah,
1: that's a really good point.
3: I would really like to see Al Franken design, but there's also a part of me that would find it highly, highly satisfying if his constituents would just vote him the fuck out. Because that's another way to see what the court of public opinion says. That said, I don't always trust our American electorate, so (laughs) I would prefer
0: him (laughs) to resign. So... I'm not playing, I'm not going to play this devil's advocate card here at all, but I do think it's impossible to mention the antithesis of, like, well, what about the false accusers, blah, 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 all that stuff. And, like, I think that's a really valid point, that, like, that would be a stronger argument if when people were guilty, they were punished for it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, look at the Brock Turner case. He, it like, he was found guilty, and he got three months for raping somebody. Yeah. So, like... Okay, maybe an innocent person is accused of something, but even when they're guilty, they're not fucking guilty. Yeah. So we have to swing the pendulum the other way, because it's absolutely ridiculous to think that everyone gets a fair shake.
2: Yeah, right. absolutely. And a lot of these cases, unfortunately, there isn't a lot of evidence that can be substantiated, but without Franken, there is a picture. And yeah. I've seen a lot of people disgustingly oh, yeah. saying, Oh, well, you know, his hands aren't actually on her breasts. They're like hovering, or they're only touching the vest. Like he's not actually <sighs> touching her. And like that just I can't I can't deal with that. They put a photograph of him touching her. Yeah. And she's asleep. She's and it's asleep so...
1: in a photo and he's looking at the camera <laughs> to be like, Isn't this so fucking funny? Like it's clearly meant to humiliate her, which yeah, is what right. we were talking about earlier, with like consent and agency, and like this is just like her the fact that, like, we belong to our bodies is just not a thought in their fucking head.
2: Yeah. Right, she might as well just be, like, a mannequin. Yeah, yeah, you know? she's like... just,
1: there's nothing there. It's fucking, she's empty. She's just a vessel there for you to fill your fucking insecurity and your bad jokes and bullshit. And it's, like, gross. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: so, um yeah, so that being said, uh, unfortunately, a lot of these cases, there isn't evidence to prove things one way or the other. Which is really, it really sucks. But um, yeah, but with this one, there actually is evidence. Uh, and that being said, like, he, he, what can he say? Like, no, I didn't. Like, he, he's not denying that he did it. Everyone knows he did it. People yeah. are still trying to defend him, which is terrible. But like... It, it, uh, and that's only the it,
0: first of several accusers that have come right, forward about him.
2: Right, which makes you just believe... You, ha- you have to believe the other people. I mean, yeah. I yeah. guess
1: you don't have to, but... You don't have to, but... <laughs> and many people don't, but... Yeah, I think the amount of people that are falsely accusing, you know, cases of sexual assault is far less than the amount of people that have actually been assaulted yeah, in some absolutely. way. It's yeah. definitely yeah, it's so, so in the minority less. of women. Like, it's fucking hard to come forward and tell people that shit when you're not in front of a camera. Like, I don't know. Yeah it it's like i'm sure it's happened i uh, that's shitty that makes me mad because that diminishes obviously the cases yeah. of you know where it's actually happened but i don't think it happens as often as people like to think it does for whatever yeah. fucking reason yeah they just
0: latch on <laughs> when it comes down to like a he said she said argument it's only that that rhetoric only works when she has equal weight to he right
1: yeah and
0: yeah, that's a super word, not for sure. fucking case
3: yeah, I'm not saying Al Franken should be thrown in jail. I'm saying, given the the obvious fact that he's been taking advantage of people for a substantial portion of his career, he yeah. doesn't get to be famous and powerful anymore.
1: Yeah, and take fucking responsibility and resign. Like, be accountable for something for once in your life. Like,
0: Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so, a lot of what we were talking about here was, like, the you know, the people that just don't get it or, like, the people that are going to argue with you mostly do bros on Reddit, like Helen said. But, like, <laughs> that's that's a pretty common thing. And what do you think people with no history of sexual assault or harassment, what do you think the big things they are they, they miss? What are the things you think they don't understand about, like, violence or trauma or even just the micro stuff?
1: It's really hard to explain. I was, like, in therapy the other day and she, like, asked me about it. She was like, with all this stuff in the news, like, how are you feeling? And it's like, it's really hard to put into words how mm-hmm. it feels, um, and that's that's really where the struggle comes because it's so much easier for people to understand when it's like, well, we'll explain it to me, like, tell me, tell me how it feels. And I'm not sure there is an accurate. I've yet to I get to read in words anything that fully encapsulates how I feel on any given day. Um, If you're someone that suffers from anxiety, you might have, like, a small inkling of (sighs) what it feels like to wake up every day and be afraid every day. Mm -hmm. I wake up, like, every morning and my heart's racing like I was running away, but I was sleeping. I wake up every day and I'm afraid. And I'm afraid when a man that's not my fiancé, like, walks next to me or looks at me. And that's exhausting. (laughs) It's really tiring. It's really exhausting to feel like you can't trust people. I think people take, I think they take for granted the feeling of security they have in their own bodies and what their bodies can do and what their bodies do for them and how you feel to know that you own it. I think you'll need to, like, pause and consider... What it's like to, it sounds so silly, but it's like, you know, I can tell my, my brain to move my arm and I move my arm or I can do all these really cool things with it and it's mine and no one can impose anything upon it. But when you've experienced someone who, who makes those decisions for you, it totally changes the confidence that you have in your autonomy and in your mind and in your physical body. And it affects you your entire life. It could be something that happens just once. It can be something that happened multiple times. But like, I don't think people understand that. Like, like I think people, they're like, oh, well, you know, their accusers apologize and they go to therapy and they get over it. And that's not what happens. that That's not what happened in my experience. That's not what's happened in the experience of people that I know, where it's just like, oh, you just wake up one morning and you don't think about it. And it's like, no, you wake up every day and you think about it. Like, it's not, (laughs) you're just not, you're not fixed, you're not magically cured one morning. And I think people think that because they're like, you waited 15 years, like, shouldn't you be all better now? And it's like, that's not fucking reality. That would be nice if that was the case. It would make things a lot easier, but that's not what's going on. And so I just think there's a degree of exhaustion that people don't understand Mm -hmm. that makes it really hard for people.
3: It's heavy stuff. <laughs> I'm going to use a kind of a problematic phrase throughout society in history.
2: Oh no! Up... <laughs> no, sorry. Wait, no. I this paper. <laughs> no, That's not how you start your essay.
3: Even up until recently, there's there has been allowed to be a kind of a gray area with regard to sexual consent and what was considered harassment. Or assault. To the point where I when I posted my own hashtag me too post, I I, I got questions from an allegedly well-meaning friend who just wanted, who wanted it to be explained to him like what sorts of things counted oh as harassment. Or as assault. <laughs> <laughs> like... Well, also, it also devolved into just... A madhouse, honestly. But what he did was he he pried out of me my personal uh, uncomfortable experiences, which I revealed to him. And then he said, well, what if it's just compliments? Aren't those just compliments?
1: <sighs> oh, my God.
3: And, and there was, <laughs> towards the end of this, like, 60-comment thread <laughs> on my, oh my Facebook page, gosh. just unfolding... There was a, a veritable army of, of of all-seeing, all-knowing feminist badasses explaining it to him in what I thought were, were great, objective, uh, eloquent terms. And Dude was just not fucking getting it and was never going to get it because he already thought he was an ally. He already thought he knew, and he only asked the question to show that he cared. Wow. Um, And that for me is incredibly frustrating because like meanwhile, while this whole tornado is unfolding on my page, like he's subjecting my friends to this. If he really wanted to have a discussion, he could have done it on his page. He could have privately messaged me about it. But he wanted to do it in a public space where where I and all of my like-minded friends could see what a good ally he was because he was trying, goddammit. And trying is all that matters. So, like that—that's one level of frustration I have. The people who who say, "Well, it's compliments," or my brother-in-law, who, who when I send him a list of all of the terrible things Trump has done and said to women, he goes, uh, "Seems to me like he really loves women." And period. And that's end of discussion.
1: <laughs> Vomit. Well, <laughs> there's also there's also yeah. someone
3: uh, very very close to me in my life an intimate friend who naturally empathizes with the accused when any, any more of these allegations come out. it It's, it's, it's natural for him to do so because he in a way relates to the accused. He feels when he was younger, he was a piece of shit and he did some things that if they came out now, he, he thinks he would be crucified over. Um, and so he takes issue with the, "Quote unquote torch holding court of public opinion that I referenced earlier, but this is a person I love and I, I I know is a good person, and whom I know does sympathize with victims. But it's it's a different level of misunderstanding that I I'm trying to gingerly contend with, so as not to distress the relationship. I don't know. Ignorance takes all shapes and forms, and uh, <laughs> there's." There's uh, yeah, I, I can't help but agree with Alana that there's just apparently no adequate way to explain it for for some of these people. Sorry, I said these people that was rude. You
1: know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> America's got a broken empathy engine. I like don't know how else to ex- like it's with yeah. all of these things. It's with like saying it's not all men and all lives matter and it's like it's not fucking about you. Like can yeah. you take a fucking minute? And, like, this is why I'm such a huge fan of, like, books and movies, because I feel like that's the way you fix the... Like, that's what the point is. The point is that you can really dive deep into someone's experience and, you know, an author can get into the head of a character and and try and put into words these really horrific or these really joyful experiences and the person can feel it and come to a new understanding about what other people are experiencing. And for whatever reason, like, in this age where we have more good media than ever, it seems to be this really astronomical problem that I don't know how to solve. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know if it's like a critical thinking problem where people are just, there's so much media that it's going in one ear and out the other and people aren't taking a minute to think about what they're consuming and and that's why it's not working the way it's supposed to or, 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 or what it is. But it really is like, I think it comes down to empathy and for whatever reason, it's not, Mm -hmm. jiving with people these days. I don't know what happened. I don't know what's happening, but it seems to be a huge problem.
3: If I may, it's worth acknowledging that I I have been ignorant on this issue as well, as regards my own personal experience. And this is, it's all very much a social thing. There's internalized misogyny there. There's all, it's just a lot of internal clockwork at play. But I... (sighs) Uh, and I obliquely made reference to this earlier. I at a party when I was in college, I got drunk, a bunch of us went skinny dipping. Uh, I got dressed again. I was sitting on a chair by the pool, and then two men whom I did not know held me down by my my hands and feet and pulled all of my clothes off while i while I said no and they didn't they didn't a- aside from the act of pulling off the clothes and the the fact that they were fucking oh tickling me while they did this. Aside from that, they didn't touch me they 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 didn't attempt to make any kind of I don't, <laughs> romantic is absolutely the wrong word any any other sort of uh sexual move toward me and so I... At, at the moment, I laughed it off. And I was laughing at the time because I was uncomfortable and I was being tickled and I didn't know how to handle what was happening to me or process it. I was saying no, but I was smiling and I was laughing. And and after the fact, I thought about it and I was like, well, I was drunk and I was laughing. And, you know, like, say la vie. That was, I mean, it's just me. And then a friend of mine who was at the same party came up to me afterwards crying and said that two men had just held her down and pulled her clothes off of her and I was outraged on her behalf that someone had done this to her and it wasn't until I'd sobered up a little that I realized she was describing the exact same thing that had happened to me but because of the smallness and the fear that I felt my whole life because I was sure I was overreacting because of the gray area that has been drilled into my head since I was born, I thought that I was just being yeah. no fun <laughs> and not that I was being assaulted.
1: That's so fucking terrible.
3: Yeah. So like, I I, I poke fun at dude bro on my Facebook page because like, fuck you, dude. Like, really? But you know, I did the same thing uh, within my own head. So I think you'll... a lot
1: of women do that. I, <laughs> that, that
3: time that time it took pure empathy and not personal experience. My personal experience wasn't informing yeah. myself enough to, to understand yeah. what to do with I definitely healing. think a lot
1: of things happened in my life, too, where, like, I'll forget about them. And then I'll, like, remember and I'll be like, that was really fucked up. Like, why didn't that bother me at the time? And I think, like, that's, that's totally. the thing. There's a lot of women, too, that don't realize that they've experienced it. And then... So I think that's that's probably one of the better things that's come out of this is large groups of people saying, hey, that wasn't okay. And then one woman who's sitting alone on her laptop, like, reads the article and she's like, hey, you know what? That, like, happened to me and that wasn't okay. And maybe it'll encourage people to have more respect for themselves and their, like, autonomy and their security and, and know what's okay and what's not okay. So
2: I don't have, like, a ton to add on top of that because that was all, like, really powerful and deep and super important, but, uh, I guess because what I have the most experience with personally is the sort of microaggression thing, what people may not realize who haven't experienced that, or or maybe who have and just don't realize that it's a bad thing or have internalized it or whatever is, I mean, yeah, it's just so like, it just buries you and it's, you're just like kind of scared all the time. And you know I've I've had experiences where I've had to kind of work my life around needing to feel safe and the like you know I don't want to walk home by myself in the dark so either I have to make somebody walk with me or I have to leave early so that I can feel safe when I'm getting home mm-hmm. or you know I don't want to work in a public building by myself even though nobody else who's working with me has a problem with that for whatever their own reasons are, I don't feel comfortable with that, and I have to demand that my schedule be rearranged or that somebody else's schedule is rearranged so that I'm not by myself. And, and because it, it did happen to me once where I was working alone in a public building, and like a guy came in and like I really had a hard time getting him to leave. And luckily he didn't he didn't take advantage of that situation in, in a way that he could have, but he was getting pretty creepy. And, you know, I kind of had to really make myself heard that I wasn't going to do that anymore. But I, I felt really nervous having to stand up for myself in that way. And, and you know, in other cases where I've had to explain why I feel uncomfortable, I've gotten a sense that I'm being like a burden because I want to be safe or I have to explain maybe like, I need to, to carry this, like, pepper spray with me because there's a real chance that in this area that I'm going to, even in the broad daylight, like, you know, who knows what could happen? Like, stranger things have happened. I've heard other people's experiences and you wouldn't believe it. So I'd rather, like, take the precaution and know I'm, like, not being overdramatic to do this or, you know, even though it's only a five-minute walk home, I'd really appreciate it if you could walk with me and, you know, it's not always something that, somebody wants to do. was like, oh, I've got to put on my shoes. I'm like, yeah, well, I don't want to get, I don't want to get assaulted. Walk and, I'm with, and I'm with you. Like, it won't happen. Like, put on your fucking shoes. Yes. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's just those little things and it, and it, it can build on you because you don't want to feel like you're being a burden, but at the same time, you've got to look out for yourself. And it's kind of like a little battle to, like, figure out when it's worth it to... To stand up for yourself, even in those little everyday situations. So <laughs> that's oh what I've got to say. I, <laughs> I relate I to that. That's so hard. Pretty common experience. Oh my god. Yeah, I
1: think so. The burdensome thing is very true. Yeah, that's it real. I struggle with that a lot.
3: I, I think one of the reasons I feel such like ardent hatred for <laughs> the Louis CKs of the world and the things that they the things that they have done, because not only have they harassed. Uh, and assaulted people, but they've they've then put them in this position to have to be uncomfortably mm-hmm. honest and to acknowledge something that's unpleasant to acknowledge and and to be branded, especially in the case of these celebrity accusers, to be branded forever as victims, as accusers. These are the words we've been using. We, the progressive people on this podcast have been using to describe the the women and men who've stepped up and accused. The shitty shit bags of Hollywood and elsewhere, like victims and accusers. That's what they will always, always be. And yeah, there's this this human need to not be a burden or to overreact or be melodramatic. And like, I guess I'm going to relate another personal story because you know why the hell not? (laughs) we're all friends. So when I, I was 16, I woke up Uh, In the middle of the night to find that my boyfriend was attempting sexual intercourse on me. I I said, like, well, what the fuck? And I pushed him off and I said, no. And then I felt like the asshole. For years, for years, I felt like the asshole. Like, we broke up as a result of what he referred to as the night I turned away. Basically, like, the night I I didn't stay asleep. And I think I, I, I regretted for the first few weeks, like, saying anything. But, oh God! If I hadn't, if I hadn't told him no, if I hadn't pushed him off, I would have regretted that for the rest of my life. So, like, he put me in a position I absolutely did not expect or ever want to be in. And um, I hate you for that. I'm sorry. I'm not, don't leave his name in there.
1: I'm sorry. Don't leave his name Called in there. Out. <laughs> um out.
3: No, I like you know fuck that guy fuck all those guys
1: (laughs) can i just say something that's like that's super fucked up though like i don't know how you guys feel but like when i talk about this anytime when i say anything like this happened or i i always feel like a part of me always feels like i'm lying like i still feel like i feel like i'm lying or i'm overreacting or still like and i talked about it like it's gotten easier to talk about over the years where like it's something that I can speak of. But even when I do, and my therapist is always has to be like, Alana, she's like, you're allowed to feel this way. Like, you're not lying. You're, you're saying how you feel. And I'm like, but it feels like I'm fucking lying. I feel like, you know, I, I'm tra- entrapping men or making myself out to be a victim or oh something. God. It's like, no, you're just telling the truth. And it's, it sucks. It really sucks that you feel like you can't trust your own.
2: Right. <laughs> like interpretation
1: of events. It's fucked up. It's super, it super yeah, fucked up. because like, we're always
2: like, conditioned to make men feel like they're doing the right thing even if they're not and then as a result we just feel like we're doing the wrong thing it's totally totally messed up Mm -hmm. and if you want to get into like emotional abuse as a side like also saying like that's just it it all plays into it and it oh god it's so bad Mm -hmm. it's so bad
1: yeah like the whole week until this episode airs i'm gonna just be thinking about everything i said and be like oh god damn it should i fucking said that like is that was that the right thing to say was i just like Performing was I telling the truth? Was I like and like that's like such again? It's an exhausting place oh to be. It's so, so exhausting.
3: So so much, uh. Yeah. Even even now, um. This past year, I was uh, harassed repeatedly by someone online, um. And it's something I put up with for about six months before I I, I cut him out of my life and started telling people about what happened, and the the version of myself that put up with it for six months. I hated her for, for for letting it happen, for, I guess, in a way, asking for it, for knowing I felt uncomfortable, and for letting myself be subjected to it, and, and, and being a, a slut in that way. And then, when I cut him out of my life, when I did the thing I had to do, and when I started telling people what had happened to me, I felt like I was exaggerating or bragging, and... I, <sighs> Yeah, why I does it just, feel like
1: bragging? Oh it? god, yeah, it's I, so I, I weird. Can't,
3: like, it, almost more upsetting than the thing that happened to me is my own revulsion to myself because of it. My own reaction to it. Like, yeah. what the dude the, the actual things the dude said to me like, drops in the bucket <laughs> compared to the things I said to myself because of them.
1: Yeah, totally. Yep. <sighs> Oh my god. Good good job guys. I love all of you. We're all
2: together. Uh,
0: that's all very heavy.
1: You okay, Ryan? You doing okay? Yeah. It? yeah, it's all about how I feel. Yeah, so
0: <laughs> Do you have any Do you guys have anything else you want to add? You don't have to. I mean, probably <laughs> a billion a
2: things right
0: now. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't want to start something and then not be able to stop again and go on. Yeah. Thing for.
0: Well, I think it's it's obvious that this is not a simple talk about it for an hour and everyone's fine kind of prog problem. Yeah. No. And I think it's so important that this conversation is like I think it was, I think it was Julia at the beginning. I don't remember who, but whoever somebody, one of y'all was like. That it's you're seeing this conversation everywhere now. You can't you can't get away from it, and that's t- even though it's so difficult for everybody. I think that's super super important. And I can't thank you three enough for being so open with me and with the listeners about all of this really heavy, terrible stuff.
1: Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for giving us not this fishing. Slide,
0: Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I really, I really do appreciate the strength that you, that you and so many show every single day that I've never even had to think about.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's really hard to explain to people, too, because they've never had to think about it.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Helen, for sharing. I can, like, not, I still have a really hard time getting really specific with things. I'm always, like, very vague about it, but. I uh, thank you for going into detail about those things and like, sure, it's fucking uncomfortable and awful. Let me yeah, I mean, thank both of
2: you guys for like, I mean, sharing experiences that I haven't had that are like so much more traumatic than I can, that I, I can even imagine. We don't have and, to like, you know, I recognize that people have had experiences that I haven't had, but you know, still talking to people who I talk to on a regular basis and realizing, yes, like this happens to people I know. You know, it, it's good for me too. So. Um, thank you for
3: that. Yeah. I just love you guys. I yeah. <laughs> love you so <guys>. much.
1: <laughs> just have a lot of feelings.
0: So I think that's where we're probably going to wrap up this time, <laughs> but I would be surprised if our listeners don't hear from you three again yeah. in the future. <sighs> yeah. So usually this is the part where we, Plug the network, but I'm gonna let Helen do that. What? Because Helen is from the network.
3: What? Um. <laughs> um
0: <laughs> if you want to hear Helen cry every fortnight, you can hear her on Falling. In
3: love. <laughs> you really, you really, really can. It's much lighter-hearted crying, <laughs> like more like love actually focused type crying. Um, but yes, Ryan and I uh, have podcasts on the Comrade Radio Network, which you can find at comraderadio.com. A lot of great shows there. I mean, mostly Ryan's shows and my shows are like the best shows. But um... easy. <laughs> um, such as the one you're listening to now or my previously mentioned show, Falling in Love Montage, on which I frequently cry because we talk about chick flicks and I, uh, I'm i a big crier. What can I say? <laughs> And yeah, that's, that's a show in which my sister and I take a feminist look at, at movies aimed at women. And sometimes cry about them. Not always. We're nuanced. So, you know, <laughs> please check us out at comraderadio.com and fallinginlovemontage.com and all of the places where podcasts exist, you know.
0: And Alana, you have a podcast, right?
1: I have an incredibly niche podcast that no one listens to. <laughs> but yeah, I, um, I have a podcast about abc's once upon a time which is a terrible show that i hate watched for many years and so i made a podcast about it where i rewatch it with a friend of mine and we basically just like beat the shit out of it which is fun so if you don't like that show or you do like that show uh it's called pod ever after it's on itunes and it's on soundcloud
0: hooray yay julia do you have anything to plug uh
1: i do actually i i,
2: I don't have a podcast although maybe maybe one day um <laughs> but I have a blog that I've run since college, which is a long time ago now, um, about fashion history, which is one of my favorite things. Uh, it's costumehistory.tumblr.com, and uh, sometimes I update it. No, <laughs> actually, it's updated pretty regularly. Uh, and that's also on Twitter, at, at costumehistory7, because somebody took at costumehistory, which makes me very mad. Um, oh. But if you're interested in clothes from all kinds of historical periods, you can check it out.
0: I have seen some shows you've done costume designing for and can confirm you are the best. (laughs) Cool. So thank you three again. So, so much. So thank you all for listening to oops. I talk politics. I've been using my platform of privilege to elevate the discussion, the discourse.
2: I've been disgusted, but not surprised. (laughs) I've been a burden to people who don't want to put on
0: their shoes.
3: And I've been Louis C.K.'s archenemy.
0: Oops, I ended the podcast. From dot com, independent podcasting network.
1: Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Alana here. I believe you just heard me speaking about sexual harassment and assault. I know that I sound angry in this episode, but a few things have happened in the days since we recorded that have led me to believe that I am not angry enough. And neither is anyone else. So in case people didn't hear, in the last few fucking days, Brock Turner tries to get his rape conviction overturned after spending three months in prison for raping someone behind a dumpster for which he was only sentenced to six months. Brock Turner is the Stanford swimmer. Uh, Donald Trump denies ever having said that he'd grab a woman's pussy, which was recorded. um, And Billy Bush has publicly come out and called that a fucking lie. He absolutely said it. Uh, Mitch McConnell walks back on the opinion that Roy Moore isn't fit to serve and says that he'll just let the people of Alabama decide, even though a few weeks ago he said that, you know, shouldn't be in the Senate. Uh, Donald Trump finally stops pretending and endorses a probable pedophile, Roy Moore. So I just want people to know that if you're treating the sexual misconduct rulings and Donald Trump's endorsement of Roy Moore as something to distract from Russia, as if sexually assaulting women is not just as fucking worthy of impeachment, then you need to reevaluate your priorities. Because the rights of women have been deprioritized since the beginning of time, and that's how we got where we are now. Please know that regardless of what happens to Trump, the odds that he ever faces any actual consequences for hurting women are slim to none. Which means that sexual assault is small potatoes. <clears throat> don't let people think that sexual assault or harassment is a small thing. It is not a small thing. It's an epidemic. It affects gender and culture in ways that have become so normalized we don't even notice it's happening. So listen to this episode. Listen to it more than once, listen to the women in your lives, and please don't forget about the kind of person that this country voted to be president and who Alabama is about to vote (laughs) for to represent them in the Senate because they don't believe the women that are coming forward, the multiple women that are coming forward with actual evidence. So just keep that in mind, please.
2: Thank you.